The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Welcome to Barron's Live. My name is Leslie Hendrickson. I'm a reporter with Mansion Global. Today with me are Danielle Hale, Chief Economist of Realtor.com, Catherine Donaldson, an agent at Sotheby's in the Hilton Head and Bluffton area of South Carolina, and Christina Quesada of Douglas Elliman in San Diego. Welcome, and thank you so much for being here, ladies. Thanks for having us. Thank you for having us. Um, Danielle, I want to start with you. Can you give us an introduction to what the Wall Street Journal Realtor.com Emerging Housing Markets Index is and its methodology? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Wall Street Journal Realtor.com Emerging Housing Markets Index is designed to surface real estate markets that not only offer great opportunities um, for buyers and investors from a real estate fundamentals perspective, but also have the kind of quality of life, economic uh, fundamentals that are going to make them good places to live and grow in the near term. So um, we're looking at things like housing supply and demand, how quickly homes are selling on the market, how many page views per property they're getting. So that's a level of, um, of buyer interest. We're also looking at economic indicators like the unemployment rate, wage data in the local market, the, the cost of living in an area, and then quality of life indicators like a commute, the presence of local businesses and amenity stores. So uh, these places have good things to offer in addition to um, the real estate fundamentals. And using that list, we evaluate the top 300 largest markets in the country for the overall index. And then for the luxury index, we take a look at a selected 60 markets that are curated for um, the luxury performance. So they tend to have higher higher costs and also a good number of homes that are priced above um, that 1 million mark that tends to signal luxury. Interesting, thank you. So let's talk about that luxury sector. Hilton Head, Buford and Bluffton, South Carolina, that metro area was at the top of the list and followed by Nashville and a few other Florida locations. And all of those are considered sunbelt cities. That area has seen a lot of migration over the pandemic. Why has it been so popular? Yeah, the Sunbelt has really been on fire um, when it comes to the real estate market. So um, not only does it offer a great climate to potential buyers, but it also um, offers a lot of affordability. And we don't necessarily think of affordability and luxury going hand in hand, uh, but luxury buyers love a deal just as much as non-luxury buyers. And in the pandemic, you know, we've seen people kind of become untethered from their current locations. Uh, our data show that nationwide, we have a lot more buyer interest in searching for homes somewhere other than where they are currently. And so a lot of luxury buyers are following along with that trend, taking advantage of the opportunity to relocate and looking for affordability and finding it in the South. And not only are they finding good prices on the real estate side of things, but in general, these Sunbelt markets tend to have more favorable tax environments overall. And so that's a nice deal sweetener on top of the better real estate prices. Right. And then there were a few decidedly non-Sunbelt cities on the list, like Boulder and Seattle. Um, what do you think about those cities? 
Yeah. So Boulder, I think, is attracting people because it's got great proximity to the mountains. Uh, Boulder and Seattle, they they don't initially seem to fit in that mold of affordability, but I think they do when you think that they are good alternative locations for uh, households that may have been in California, in Silicon Valley, um, in the tech scene, looking to these secondary markets. Boulder and Seattle both still have pretty promising tech industries, um, but have much lower costs when compared to those California prices. So I think that's helped propel and keep these areas at the top of the list. Got it. And so what about pricing and inventory? Those are two points we've talked a lot about and we, of course, always talk a lot about, but prices seem high, inventory still seems low. Do you see any changes for, for that coming in the year? Yeah, so inventory has ticked up, but it is still historically low. If you look at the overall market, um, inventories are down still 40% compared to what we saw before the pandemic, even though they're up 60% compared to a year ago. So depending on your comparison point, you're going to get a very different reading on inventory. But we think it's important to understand both in context. So the market's a lot different than it was a year ago, uh, but still not all the way back to normal we did a look in the fall at um, the luxury market in particular. What we found is that we were continuing to see more engagement with luxury properties, even as the, the number of luxury properties continue to grow, which is interesting. And I will say other data from the National Association of Realtors shows that we've seen uh, luxury sales in some cases take a bigger hit than the overall market. So I, I think we're getting some conflicting signals when we're reading the national market. And so a lot really depends on where you are and how the luxury market is doing. Interesting. Thank you. So Catherine, I want to um, talk. It, it looks like Leslie may be having some internet trouble. So um, I'll step in. I think we're going to turn the conversation now to you, Catherine and uh, to talk about the Hilton Head, Beaufort, Bluffton area. You've been an agent there for many years. What makes that area so appealing? So you have to look at the county as a whole because it is comprised of those three um, coastal towns that you mentioned. Beaufort on the north end of the county being the second oldest city in South Carolina um, is seeped in history. It is, it is a town that is, um, they have an entire district that has uh, that is placed on the National Register of Historic Places. If you are looking for um, an area that's got a lot of southern coastal history, you're going to probably be most attracted um, to the city of Beaufort on the north end of the county. Hilton Head Island itself is an island, and they are very, very committed to um, a sustainable environment in regards to development and have been since day one in the late 1950s. Bluffton is a small coastal southern town um, that has got a heavy art influence. It's surrounded um, by water, essentially. Three different, three different rivers um, kind of come in from, from the Atlantic, from near the Hilton Head area. It's also what we often refer to as the mainland um, because you do drive through the town of Bluffton to get um, over to Hilton Head Island. Um, the attractive uh, thing about the county, it's not terribly big uh, and it's not overly populated. There are about 40,000 residents year round on Hilton Head, uh, but between Memorial Day and Labor Day, we have over two and a half million visitors to that island. Uh, and many of those visitors have been coming their entire life. Um, I had someone recently um, say to me that um, 
I asked them why they wanted to move here. And they said, well, half of the state of Ohio, Ohio spends their entire life trying to get there. <laughs> and it is very true. We do have a lot of uh, influx of Ohioans to the area, um, historically speaking. The weather is, you know, a big draw to the area. Our winters are very, very mild. Um, we also have an active outdoor um, lifestyle kind of that we offer with with very safe biking trails and walking trails and um, lots and lots of aquatic activities. I mean, with so much water, you know, here, um, Hilton Head is actually the second largest island on the East Coast, Barrier Island, second to Long Island. It's a little bit colder up in Long Island today than it is down, down here in Hilton Head. Uh, a huge draw again, um, weather-wise. But with so much water in the area, it offers boating, kayaking, paddle boarding has become a huge thing in the area. Um, we have actual paddleboard racing teams now. Um, you can boat amongst these towns and have cocktail cruises from one town to another for dinner. Um, it's, it's, it's all about living outdoors, which we saw through the pandemic um, become such a needed, um, a needed thing. People wanted to be able to spend time with their family in what they felt was a safe environment and, and Beaufort County really offered that. That's fantastic. So outdoor living, sustainability, arts and history, it's got a mix of something for everyone. Welcome back, Leslie. We were just talking to Catherine about what makes Hilton Head so appealing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Apologies for dropping off there. Um, but so I was next going to ask you, Catherine, um, what changes you've seen in the market over the pandemic, which obviously has affected every market in a, such a huge way? So the changes that we've seen over the pandemic were vast. You know, we went from what was a very vibrant, healthy, uh, quote unquote, normal market in 2019 um, to a 2020 very healthy, a little more productivity going on, um, more transactions happening. 21 kind of started to feel pretty crazy. 22 was off the chart. Um, the last quarter or so of 22, um, really probably beginning somewhere in the, in the, uh, third quarter era, we started to see the ever so slightest nudge. I mean, nudge, tiny little nudge back towards what many of us would refer to as something a little more akin to normal. Um, maybe a little, um, more, leniency on the part of sellers regarding inspections and appraisals and things like that. Um, maybe not quite full price offers, but really, really close, 98 plus percent of list price. Um, just a slight, slight, slight nudge. Um, we are still seeing many properties in our market fly off the shelf either um, the day of listing, in some cases prior to, to even being successfully marketed. I mean, there, there is a demand, um, and especially in the luxury market, we are still seeing an incredible flock of luxury buyers to our area from all parts of the country. That has not altered at all. They aren't focused. We're still getting, Christina, we'll talk about it a little later. We're still getting that West Coast um, to East Coast migration, more so than I've ever seen in over 20 years of doing this. Um, we are definitely still feeling a big pull out of the Northeast. Um, and 
we aren't quite yet seeing buyers, not in the luxury market, who are expecting um, a lot lot of room for negotiation. The last two properties that I put under contract, one nearing 2 million and one um, nearing 4 million, both no negotiation took place essentially. So um, yeah. I just want to remind our viewers that they can ask questions and put those in the chats and we'll get those to those at the end of the session. Um, Catherine, I also want to ask what kind of housing people are looking for in your area? What are the must have amenities and housing types that people are really attracted to? Well, we all know pickleball has become a thing (laughs) and we're, we're beginning to see a lot of our um, gated communities convert core or add pickleball courts. It's become a whole thing in the area. And I think kind of across the country, it's really fun sport if you haven't tried it. Um, I highly suggest it. But we also have seen this incredible resurgence in the in the golf communities. You know, the golf um, era went a little stagnant on us for a while due to um, the required fees associated with living in these communities. And during the pandemic, or the height of the pandemic, I should say, um, we saw, again, more people wanting that active outdoor lifestyle. Golf, spend a lot of, if you've ever played a game of golf, you spend a lot of time outside. It's hours and hours and hours. So um, those communities began to not only fill quickly, but they also began to, you, they also began to, um, do enhancements to their communities because they had such a large influx of new homeowners and a a little bit of a different buyer than I think we had seen previously. Um, Buyers who were willing to invest more money on the front end and initiation fees and things like that. So we've seen some growth um, from a cost perspective in the area um, of those initiation fees and those club communities. If you look at our county across the board, you'll see um, Hilton Head is always going to be where people uh, migrate to to go to the beach. I've mentioned this so many times over the years. Golf is huge. We do have a PGA tournament on the island. It follows the Masters Tournament in Augusta every year. Um, the RBC Heritage Tournament, sponsored by Boeing. We have a ton of visitors to the island during that time frame. Um, but it's really not what drives people to Hilton Head. People come to Hilton Head because we have some of the most beautiful beaches that you'll you'll ever see in the state of South Carolina. Um, the Bluffton market, um, and, and some communities on Hilton Head, um, but the Bluffton market in particular, and then even further over into Beaufort kind of became a spillover at some point, probably in the eighties. And we started to see in the late eighties and and certainly into the nineties, these very large gated golf communities, these club environments with restaurants and, um, tennis facilities and, fitness centers and because there was more landmass with which the developers could work and um, create this environment, uh, two golf courses instead of one and things like that. The, the island itself, Hilton Head, was not large enough to really um, have too terribly many of those multiple golf course communities. There are a few. There are a few, but um, the communities off the island are where you see many more of the private gated club communities. And that has been a big, big, big draw to the area throughout the pandemic. Got it. Christina, I want to turn to you. You're, of course, on the other side of the country in San Diego. And we talked a little bit about a very different migration pattern that you're seeing in your city. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Sure. <laughs> so it's funny listening to Catherine because first of all, our communities found, sound very similar as far as the desirability to be outdoors and to be on award-winning beaches. And what we experienced is that migration of people leaving to places like Hilton Head. But at the same time, I would argue that San Diego is probably one of the most undervalued beach communities in California. And we saw a migration of Bay Area residents coming down to San Diego. Um, reason being the pandemic, they could work remotely. Our home prices were probably more attractive than what they were experiencing in the Bay Area. And what you could get here, uh, it's just a better value overall. So we saw a lot of people coming in from there. And then specifically in the luxury space, we have a lot of second, third home owners uh, that want to have their beach home here that, again, they think is a good value compared to going to Malibu, uh, Newport, uh, Beverly Hills, L.A. Um, so we have people coming from Arizona, Texas. Colorado. Um, we get some some Oregon people coming here. Um, so we're seeing a lot of people that do place their money here in luxury assets uh, because it's an, it's a good value for them. And it's easy to justify having that getaway where it's just an easy flight. We have a great airport here. Um, so we saw migration of people leaving, but we didn't see any challenges in the market because it was filled in with the Bay Area and the second and third homeowners. Gotcha. You mentioned how a lot of the things that people are coming for are similar to what's in Hilton Head, great beaches, great lifestyle. But are there specific things to San Diego? And I'd also love to ask in, in that same question about the housing types and amenities that people in San Diego are seeking. Definitely. So I would say top of the list when I'm speaking to my clients and what they're looking for, it's walkability. So a lot of these beach communities, you're able to go out your front door and walk to award-winning restaurants, um, you can walk to the sand to the beaches. We have great parks. And Leslie, I know we spoke before. It, yes, our taxes are, are higher here and the cost of living is higher here. And Danielle touched on that a little bit. Um, but I would say it's justified because you can go outdoors 24-7 year round. And there's so many free activities that they're like, OK, I'll pay a little more you know, on the tax side. And then I have this great beach that I can go to every day. Um, so walkability, I would say, is number one. Um, what else is drawing people to San Diego? We have the Padres baseball team. It has a gorgeous stadium in the heart of downtown. Um, it's easy to get around from different locations throughout San Diego. Everything's a 30 minute drive. And there's uh, the most desirable luxury communities, I would say, are La Jolla. It has great restaurants, walkability beaches. And then I uh, live in Coronado, which is also a small island community, Catherine. So very similar very quaint. It has a lot of history. It has concerts in the park in the summers. Fourth of July is huge here. They have a huge parade that people come and enjoy. Uh, the Hotel Del Coronado is a historical hotel that's just stunning. They um, have really uh, gorgeous events for the holidays that people come here for. So there's a lot of that um, small town feeling and that small town vibe. Uh, but at the same time, you get that luxury still feel with the, the homes that we offer here. And we do have a range of properties from, I would say, entry level is moving more towards the million dollar mark here in San Diego. And then you can go up to $50 million in La Jolla and have a large estate on the sand. Um, so we have a wide variety of property to choose from. Uh, but I would I would argue that we're undervalued here. And I feel like we're a little unassuming and a lot of people don't know 
um, how special San Diego is. And then once they come here, they realize what makes it so special. And, and that usually uh, leads to a client that wants to buy in the market because they, they don't want to leave this 70 and sunny San Diego. Excellent. Thank you. Um, I also want to ask you about investors. Are you seeing a lot of investors trying to come into the market and, and how's, what are they looking for and how's that working in San Diego? Yeah, so we have a couple of different types of investors here. Um, at the starting at the million dollar mark, we have seen what we call flippers in the market. So we do have investors that are buying property, fixing up, and selling for a profit. Um, at the same time, we are seeing investors that just want to buy and hold. Um, they have seen the trajectory of our market here, and holding property over the long term is really attractive. It offers a great return. Um, so we are seeing those people come into the market. Um, I actually, one, one area that I didn't point out, Mexico City. We have a lot of money coming into the market from Mexico City. Um, one, they want to place their money here in the U.S. And two, I think over the long term, a lot of the clients that I'm speaking with have plans to eventually move here. So they're investing in properties. Um, I'm working with one that's, that's currently looking in La Jolla. And they're going to buy it, rent it out. And then when they're ready to move their family, uh, that will be their home. So we're seeing a lot of people that just want to place money here um, and rent it out. Um, and then a lot of the second homeowners, they do come here on vacation. And then when they're not here, they do look at it as an investment and they'll do vacation rentals. Mm -hmm. And just by doing that, they're like, OK, I can cover my property tax and make a little money. And then we have a vacation home. So that's how they, they make that work here as well. Gotcha. Catherine, do you see some similar um, things with investors in your area and looking for vacation homes and that kind of thing? Um, certainly on Hilton Head, we have uh, a tremendous short-term rental market. We, I mentioned we have over two and a half million visitors to the island um, every summer. Uh, it's probably an every year thing, but most of those people show up during the summertime. And, um, I would say, you know, it, at least 50% probably of the oceanfront short-term rental um, available properties are utilized in that fashion. Some of that changed, of course, during the pandemic, because a lot of those people pulled the um, their homes off the market and utilized them themselves, especially if they were um, coming from a more metropolitan area. Um, many, many homes were... were the short-term rental pricing went through the roof. We have seen a little bit of a, um, a shift downward in that just barely, but it still is in, is still keeping in line with the increase sort of in the pricing. So investors are, are properties are still able to um, cash flow enough uh, to make the investor um, attracted to it. Um, the, the second homeowners are still there. There are still tons of people who don't want to utilize their homes in that fashion. Um, there's a really large community off, off of the island in Bluffton um, called Palmetto Bluff. And Palmetto Bluff does have a lot. They have a montage resort um, within the community. Very, very um, attractive to high net worth individuals kind of community. And they, um, they do have short-term rentals there as well. And those are um, utilized greatly especially during the pandemic, you act, you actually could not get into that community. There was no way there was, unless you 
I mean, the cost to be there was astronomical just from the rental um, perspective. So I don't think that the investors have slowed. The one other thing I wanted to mention also, Leslie, um, and Christina, you might speak to this too. Um, we've seen a tremendous um, uptick in 1031 tax deferred exchanges. Um, you know, having been in this industry for over 20 years now, I saw many of those um, in the 04, 05, 06 sort of era. And then they kind of went away. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing happened because nobody was making any money for a really long time. And in the last two or three years, I, I've worked with countless individuals who are doing 1031 tax deferred exchange. So that tells me those are investors and they are still uh, kind of rocking and rolling along with the market right now. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I wanted to switch gears a little and ask you, Danielle, um, you know, I've talked to some folks, including Catherine, who think that some areas, including a place like Hilton Head, might be sort of insulated from any recession that we might see because of the high demand and low supply. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, th I think this is the most watched for recession ever. So, um, you know, our, our forecast for 2023 is that we'll get close. We won't actually hit a recession. And I know that probably puts us in a minority for um, economic forecasters. But if you look at the data out today on the labor market, the unemployment rate is at you know a 50 plus year low. Um, you know The jobs market is strong. Certainly some sectors of the economy are adjusting uh, and are feeling the pinch of higher mortgage rates. Um, but, you know, I, we may not see a recession this year, even if we do, I, I think that's a good point that some of these markets that, um, offer high quality of life, um, that are in demand, not just because of the local population, but because of outside populations that recognize the attractiveness of the markets, you know, I think that is going to help insulate them, um, from whatever comes, you know, from the economy in 2023. Got it. Um, Catherine, you and I talked about that a little bit. Um, that you think that Hilton Head could be one of those cities. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Well, I have always said that in order for us to experience an incredible downturn in the market or something recession-like, that we would have to defy the laws of supply and demand in order to do so. We don't have enough supply. We're running, we've got about 600 single family residential units available to purchase in most of Beaufort County right now. Uh, that's that's 25% probably at best of the norm. So the pendulum has to swing really, really far just to get back to halfway. We're running a deficit. Just last week, we put 90 homes on the market and sold 150. So if we're going to continue that sort of deficit, I don't see how we're going to see an incredible decline in pricing. And another thing, too, is we, what we have seen a lot of, because we are starting to see some price drops, but what we've seen is the original listing price was an uptick of 10, 15, 20 percent over maybe that March to, to, I don't know, July-ish um, 2022 timeframe, which was really where things accelerated um, from a price perspective. And so people are, if they put their home on the market, sort of, you know, 10, let's say 10%, 20% higher than that moment in time, what we're starting to see is, oh, let's take it back down to that moment in time, do a reduction of, of 10, 20%, and then the property goes right off the market. Um, so unless we begin to really see people also, my, 
migrating out. You know, I've got to have sellers willing to sell and willing to leave. And that has not happened yet. First of all, we saw early retirees, so they're not leaving. You know, we've got, um, we've got people who aren't willing to give up what was their safe haven during the pandemic, because I think they still have a little bit of post-traumatic stress disorder. I think the country does. Um, I think, you know, somebody coughs on an airplane and everybody on the plane, you know, freezes um, still to this day. So until we start to move further and further away um, from that fear factor, those those homes, and I'm sure it's the same, and we can kind of toss this to Chris. Dina, I'm sure it's the same in your area and your market as well, because pe people don't want to give up what they may need later. Yeah, most of the listings we're getting right now are very circumstantial. So mm -hmm. divorce, death, um, right. relocation. We have a big military presence here. So if they're being relocated, um, family circumstances, but it's not just to sell. It's not just to see what they can get because people don't know where they're going to go. And our inventory continues to remain the lowest it's ever been. And that's why this is unprecedented times. I don't see a slowdown. And with interest rates where they are now, where buyers are accepting this as the new norm. And we've seen such an uptick in activity this last month. And we don't have enough properties to show our buyers. It's just really, it's a really challenging time to, to we don't have enough on the market to service the demand. So like you said, Catherine, unless something crazy happens where if somebody can magically make supply and demand not be a thing, um, I don't see any any um, major decreases in, in the future. We did have a slight correction as well in pricing when rates did tick up to 7% and everybody's like, whoa, hold on, let's see what's gonna happen. And now they've seen what's happening and they're good with it and they're back in the market. So mm -hmm. I don't see any slowdown anytime soon. Right. Well, we're almost out of time, ladies, but I did want to um, ask one question from Ralph, who um, sent in this question. And um, Danielle, I'll ask you, what do you think are some of some up and coming areas that are still affordable that um, or relatively affordable that people can be looking to? Uh, so I'm, I'm going to answer this question as if they're they're asking nationwide. Um, and this is the type of area that the Emerging Housing Markets Index is designed to identify. So um, if you look at our main index, not the luxury index, the top three areas were all in Indiana, Lafayette, Fort Wayne, and um, oh, now I'm blanking on the third market, <laughs> but it was also in Indiana. Um, so I think the Midwest um, offers affordability that buyers are really looking for it's continuing to see prices appreciate because it's got, um, you know, it's drawing people in who are looking for that affordability. And then, you know, we talked about the jobs market nationwide. It's still on fire. In particular, the manufacturing industries in the Midwest um, are, are doing really well right now. I think a lot of people, you know, in that post-pandemic adjustment, our companies are looking at their supply chains and thinking more domestically than internationally. And that is really going to boon to the Midwest. So I would go to the Midwest, young man. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. And thank you all for being here, Danielle, Christine, and Catherine. This was really interesting. I appreciate your time. Uh, please join us again on Monday when Baron, Baron's Senior Managing Editor, Lauren R. Rubin, and Deputy Editor, Ben Levensaw will discuss the outlook for financial markets, industry sectors, and individual stocks. Thanks so much for listening. Take care, and I hope you all have a great day. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.